One man, one microphone, and a lifetime of weird ass stories. Here he comes, Mapulos. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast. I'm your host, Mark Poulos. Surprising. Today on the podcast, I'm going to cover a subject and a town that is very close to my heart. And that town is the tempting mistress, Las Vegas. Las Vegas will always have a special place in my heart. Um... Obviously because I struggled with a gambling addiction for a long time and so did my brother and my dad and spent a lot of time in Las Vegas. I think from age 14 to like 18 or 19 we spent every spring break in Las Vegas because my dad, as I covered in uh, the gambling addiction episode, was a huge gambler. He would go to Las Vegas like twice a year with his friend Dick, um, and they would gamble thousands of dollars, and he gambled so much that they would actually send him uh, plane tickets, free plane tickets to come out there, and if he came out there, they would, you know, set him up, free room, free food, free drinks, whatever he wanted. So, I mean, in theory... It's a good idea, you know, as far as hotel and food and everything goes, a cheap family vacation because they always had amazing pools and a lot of um, game rooms and a couple places for kids to go and stuff. And this was around the time that Las Vegas was kind of trying to change their image as like a family destination. And, of course, they've gone back to the whole sin city thing what happens in vegas stays in vegas but uh a lot of interesting stories from the trips that i took to vegas which i'd like to cover a bit here um one of the craziest stories i ever had from las vegas was um uh, my dad and his friend dick our two families were really close so we would travel a lot in this trip uh, both families ended up going to Las Vegas, and we stayed at the Mirage down on the Strip. And uh, they ended up giving us, uh, giving both families like big suites, where it was like a couple bedrooms and a huge living room and a terrace and everything. It was just like we walked in there, and we were just like, "Holy hell, this is probably the place that like famous people stay in." and uh, we never got to stay in that room ever again, so we kind of assumed that first time they made a mistake. Um, but, like, all the food was free, all the drinks and stuff, so late at night all the kids would be upstairs and the parents would be downstairs gambling, so we'd order room service and get, like, hamburgers and fries and sundaes and shit. And uh, it was just a really strange trip because one day when we went out walking or something i ended up falling off a curb and i twisted my ankle really bad so we had to go to the mall and get like an air cast that i had to wear the rest of the time that we were there so now i've got this air cast on 
and my mom suggested like you know why don't you go swimming you know and it'll kind of work out your ankle or whatever so I went swimming I ended up getting swimmer's ear so now I've got an air cast on swimmer's ear and if that wasn't enough uh I couldn't really do much because I had swimmer's ear and a sprained ankle so I was kind of just chilling in bed watching a movie or something and I went to get out of bed and I stepped on something that stabbed me in the foot and it turned out that there was a sewing needle in the quilt on the bed and it was just funny because the rest of the kids started jumping around going we're gonna sue the mirage and we're gonna get so much money because you stepped on a a needle that was whatever and then they tried to say like that we put the sewing needle in there and there was a big back and forth and they ended up uh giving my dad uh <sighs> free tickets to uh the Siegfried and Roy show and apparently the tickets were hard to get that weekend because it was either opening weekend or something and a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Michael Jackson actually wrote the score for the Siegfried and Roy show at the Mirage. And if you don't know Siegfried and Roy, they were the the magic duo that used the White Tigers. And uh, more famously, like one of them got mauled by one of the tigers on stage and he ate his brain. So... Uh, he got tickets to this, so we all went to the show, and it turned out that that night that we went to the show, uh, Michael Jackson was actually there uh, signing autographs and stuff because it was the premiere, and he had written the score, and he was there and all this kind of stuff. And my dad actually ran into Michael Jackson and had no idea who he was. He just told him to watch where he was going, and he came back to the table, and we were all like, Dad, you just ran into Michael Jackson. And he was like, What? He was that weird guy with the rhinestone jacket over there. I was like, yeah, that's Michael Jackson. So he he actually forced his way up there and ended up getting him to sign the program. And to this day, we cannot find that program anywhere, which kind of sucks. But that was kind of a, a, cool, uh, a cool thing. And the uh, Siegfried and Roy magic show is forever immortalized in the movie uh, Vegas Vacation which is uh, one of my favorites. So around the time that uh, I turned 18 and we went to Vegas, I ended up getting a fake ID. And the way that I got it was, uh, and it's so stupid because it's like so against the law, but I actually went down to the DMV with my brother's birth certificate who was three years older than me, and I said I lost my license and I need a new one. And they said, uh, do you want to keep the old picture or do you want to take a new one? And I said, well, I'll take a new one. So a couple weeks later in the mail, here comes this driver's license that is identical to my brother's driver's license, except it has my picture on it and not his. <laughs> and holy shit, was he pissed off at me. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't think this was actually going to work. So he's like, great. Now when I go get my license renewed, they're going to... They're going to think there's some funny business going on because it's a different picture. And I was like, well, I don't know. Tell them that's your brother's picture and somehow it got they made a mistake or whatever. And he's like, yeah, maybe that'll work. 
So that year that we went to Vegas, we both had the the exact same ID, but I was 18 and he was 21, but we were gambling together all over the casino. It was kind of cool. Um, so there was a time that we were sitting there playing Pygo, and I didn't even think about it, but they ID'd both of us, and I gave him mine really quick. And he had to like go, oh, I forgot mine. Uh, I think it's up in the room. And he left, and then I followed him, and I was like, what's going on? And he's like, dumbass, we can't show him both IDs at the exact same time because they're the exact same name, the exact same address. Everything's the same except for the picture. It's going to look a little funny. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. So uh, after that, we kind of gambled separately. We would hang out together, but we gambled separately. And so it was like a Saturday night, and it was really busy, and I just kind of meekly sat down at a blackjack table with like $100, and I went on the run of a lifetime. Like they had a bunch of the supervisors that were watching me and stuff because uh, I turned that hundred bucks into like thirty four hundred. It was just ridiculous. So I cashed out and and got the chips, and I was all nervous. I went up to the hotel room and I told my dad, I was like, "Hey, uh, uh, I was like, is there any way you can cash these chips in for me?" And he was like what did you do? And I was, I had to tell him like, I have a fake ID and I was gambling and, and he's like, all right, this one time he's like, how many chips is it? And I'm like 3,400. And he was like, holy shit, what? So he went downstairs and he came back up and he had this somber look on his face and he was like, I'm sorry, Mark. They had you on camera and they wouldn't let me cash him in just like the dread and he just started laughing and he threw this giant wad of cash at me and I was like holy shit and that's uh pretty much when I got hooked on gambling I can remember that for sure and uh we went back a bunch of times as a family and and then me and my dad and my brother went there by ourselves and and gambled a bunch and it was always fun it's just like i don't know what it is about las vegas a lot of people think it's a stupid place and i don't know man it's just one of those cities that just has a lot of great memories for me i know it's like the crucible of my debilitating addiction and you know it's like sending an alcoholic into a bar to hang out for like four days but you know, it's just, I don't know what it is, man. It's just like one of those special places where every time I get off the plane there or drive into town, it's just like, you know, this great feeling that washes over, you know. And and uh, there was a time that, uh, <laughs> and this is a funny story because uh, I went out there one time with a friend of mine and uh, I don't want to say he's cheap, but he's very frugal with money. And, uh, so we got a pretty good deal and, uh, we flew out there and, uh, we were staying, uh, downtown at one of the, I think the gold nugget or something. Cause it was really cheap. And, uh, I was, I'm like, or what, like I was very notorious for like going on gambling trips and getting there and just getting so excited that I would blow like all my money within like three hours of being there and be completely broke. So he kept making me promise him like that. I wasn't going to like blow all my money within seconds of us getting there. And, uh, I tried to keep 
that uh, promise, but of course, uh, I blew it all. But so we got there, and like he was kind of obsessed with going to a strip club out in Vegas because he's like, it's got to be crazy, man, and raunchy. It's prostitution, like hours from Vegas is legal. Like the strip clubs have to be like insane. And I was like, oh, all right, whatever. So uh, we were staying at the Golden Nugget, and, like, right across the street from there was uh, a place called, like, the Golden Gulch or something like that. It was just, like, this old-timey strip club. So we went up to the door or whatever, 20 bucks to get in. Just to get in, it's $20. And I looked at him, and he was like, come on, man, let's do this. It's going to be fun. So I was like, oh, all right. So 20 bucks, we're in the door, we're sitting at a table. The lady comes over and she says that there's a like a two-drink minimum for being in the strip club and the drinks are like seven fifty a piece or something like that. So now that's another fifteen bucks. So now we're in like thirty-five a piece and we haven't even seen a tit yet. So we give him the money and uh one of the strippers comes over and starts talking to us because we got the new fish and uh, just asking us uh, if we wanted to dance in the private room. So I don't know. I just, I was like, I'm already 35 bucks in. I might as well do a private dance just to see if it's as crazy as they say it's going to be. So, of course, in Vegas they have two-tiered private dances you can either get the $50 dance which is like in this roped off area with all these other dudes and you're just like sitting in a chair and the dancers just dancing on you or you can pay a hundred dollars to get uh the dance in like a room by yourself and I was just like man I just I did not want to waste a hundred bucks on a dance so I gave her the 50 and it was an absolutely horrible dance. It was a waste of money. And I come back to the table and I'm like, man, I'm in 85 bucks and I haven't even gambled yet. So we stayed till our drinks were gone and we left. And, and it was just so funny because the next day all I could talk about was how I was in 85 bucks at the strip club and I was all pissed off because I wanted to use that money to gamble. So, uh, so we gambled a lot that next day, like a ton. And I, of course, lost absolutely every penny I had on me in my checking account. I had like zero dollars. So, and we were, we were supposed to be there for two more days. And I was just like, oh my God, man. So... I made the decision that day, like, well, that's it. I'm not, I'm out of money. I'm not going to ask anybody for money. I'm just going to whatever. So then we tried to find other things to do to have fun. Um, so we were, like, outside, and we saw the Stratosphere, which is, like, the first hotel on the Strip, uh, because we were downtown, and the strip's kind of a ways from downtown, but for whatever reason, we were, like, standing outside, and it looked like the stratosphere was closer than it was. So we decide, let's walk to the stratosphere. Let's just go down to the strip and see the sights and whatever. So we start walking, 
Here's a tidbit of information. Four or five blocks outside of downtown Vegas and outside of the Strip is literally the worst neighborhoods in the entire world. I mean, if you think about it, like if you live like three blocks from the Strip or downtown, nobody gives a shit about you. And you're close to like all this gambling. You're obviously destitute and you lost all your money. And so we start walking. We get like six or seven blocks from the Golden Nugget and realize how far the stratosphere is. And now we are in like the worst neighborhood in the history of the world. And we just turn around and just start running back to the Nugget. We're like, holy shit, did we make a really bad mistake? So, uh, later that day I decided, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna call my dad and, uh, see if he'll send me a couple bucks, you know, just so I can have something to gamble with the rest of the weekend. So he, he ended up depositing like 300 bucks in my checking account and I promised I'd pay him back when I got back and stuff. So he, the next, later that day when he transferred the money and I just decided like the rest of this day, like tomorrow I'll hit it hard to try to get my money back. But today let's just, you know, let's just have some fun. Like we won't really worry about gambling too much. We'll go off for a nice dinner and whatever. And so we started out the day by uh, gambling at the Las Vegas club, which is a casino downtown Vegas, like right across from the golden nugget. And, uh, so we sat down and we started playing the nickel slot machines. And, uh, I had told him like, you know, one of the good things about Vegas is if you're gambling, they give you free drinks. And of course the golden nugget is kind of a big place and it's usually really busy. So it takes a long time for the waitresses to come by to give you free drinks so we went over to Las Vegas Club in hopes that uh, we'd be able to get our drinks a little bit faster. So we were playing a nickel slot machine, and the lady came by literally like every six minutes. She was just like, Las Vegas Club, buy a drink. And we uh, we tipped her a buck each every time she brought us a beer. So she was coming by even quicker and... Uh, we were literally like shit faced hammered by like one in the afternoon and we're just like wandering around downtown meeting all these crazy characters and just like drunk off our asses and uh i remember like we passed out at like three and took a nap for a while and then we woke up and we decided like one of the you know, one of the things that me and my brother and my dad would always do when we were at the Golden Nugget is we'd go out for, like, one nice dinner at Lily Langtree's, which was, like, the Asian restaurant there. And so I told him about that, and he was like, that sounds like fun. So, you know, we had brought our suits with us because, you know, we had this great idea, like, every night we were going to dress up in our suits and just be, like, fancy gentlemen down in the casino and try to pick up ladies and whatnot. So we put our suits on, and uh, and I had a black suit with a black tie, and uh, my buddy that I traveled with, he had uh, longer hair, like, down to his shoulders, and <laughs> when he got his suit on, he came out, and it was, like, <clears throat> one of those, uh, I'm, I'm writing a new book with a cup of coffee suits, you know, his jacket was, like, tweed with the... Uh, elbow patches on it 
and he had like one of those red fabric ties. <laughs> so we were uh we were like getting on the elevator and somebody made a comment like maybe he was famous and I was his security cuz I'm such a big guy and I was wearing a black suit and he looked like he looked he kind of looked like a a rock star or something, you know, cuz he had the long hair and the and the funky suit. So after that, we just decided to start playing it up that he was, like, famous. We uh, we couldn't really figure out what to say. Like, later on in the night, I joked around and kept saying that he was the drummer for Hanson. <laughs> and, uh, and people were buying it because he would be, like, playing a slot machine or something. And I'd be, like, standing near him. And people would be like, like who, who is that guy? And I was like, please step back. Uh, that's the... Uh, that's the oldest brother of the Hanson, the Hanson group. And people were buying it hook, line, and singer. It was hilarious. He was playing like a penny slot machine, and the waitress came up to me and was like, do you think he, he would like a drink? And I leaned forward, and I was like, sir, the waitress is wondering if you'd like a drink. And he's like, uh, yes, I will take a rail vodka and orange juice. <laughs> so we were... Uh, we went to dinner and all over the place, and we were just, like, really just hamming it up. I remember we we got off the elevator to go back to our room, and I got off the elevator, and I go, South Hallway is clear. And everybody in the elevator was like, I knew it as the doors closed. Like, I knew that was somebody. And uh, it was just so funny, man, because he was so tight with his money. We were, like, uh, getting on the plane to head home, and... Uh, and he was all ticked off because he lost, uh, I don't know, something like $16 or something ridiculous. And that was funny, too, because we got to the airport early and we decided to drink at the airport bar. And that's never a good thing to start drinking at an airport bar because uh, by the time you get on the plane and the plane takes off and before the beverage car comes out, you start sobering up and... Air, airplane uh, rides hungover is is not the best and we probably shouldn't have watched like the world's worst plane crashes before we went to the airport that was a good idea too but uh yeah after that i uh i didn't really go to vegas that much i went there a couple times with my brother and we played a lot of uh poker tournaments and stuff and then the, i went there with uh my wife couple times which was a lot of fun but there was like this one time I went with uh, my buddy Joe who's part of Stoner and the Fat Man and it was like his first time in Vegas and he was just so excited about everything and it was just kind of funny and the first day that we were there we were walking downtown and uh, they had just opened up a franchise of uh, the Heart Attack Grill and if you don't know what this place is, it's a restaurant where if you weigh more than 350 pounds, they give you this little laminated card, and you actually can eat at all their restaurants for free because you're really fat, and it's called the Heart Attack Grill. <laughs> so in Vegas, it's like a big thing because out front, they have a giant scale with huge numbers, and there's a guy in a doctor's coat and a clipboard, and and he's like weighing people, and if you're over the 350, then you get you get the card, which is pretty cool. So I, of course, at the time was hovering right around 350. So I uh, 
decided uh, that I was going to weigh myself and see if I could get one of these cards. So I waited in line, and there was like a big group of people standing around watching people get weighed. There was probably like 100 people there. So I was the next guy, and I went up there, and uh, I literally weighed in at uh, 349. And uh, everybody kind of laughed, and the guy was like, oh, so close. And so I walk off, and there's this huge, like, musclehead guy, and he, he calls me aside, and he goes, dude, you know what you need to do? You need to go back to your hotel room, eat a bunch of salt, drink a bunch of water. You'll be 350. And I was like, or I could put a rock in my pocket. I'd probably be a better idea than putting my health at risk but uh yeah so the rest of the day when i was walking around i was 349 guy everybody was just pointing at me like there he goes 349 guy it was a little embarrassing but uh that first night i was kind of tired so i just went to bed and uh, my buddy joe was just like so enamored with the penny slot machines that uh he actually stayed up most of the night and uh so i got up the next day and he he was telling me that he was down there playing the penny slot machines he's like yeah everybody's so nice around here he's like i was paying the plenty penny slots it was like three in the morning and this lady who was in a really nice like uh ball gown sat down next to me and was chatting me up you know asking if i was in town on business and uh told her i was a comedian and told her a bunch of jokes and uh she asked me if i was staying in the hotel and uh what room i was in and stuff and yeah she was really nice he's like i thought i had a chance to you know bang her but since we were staying in the same room together i thought that might not be uh not might not be kosher and i was like dude you probably had a really good chance of banging her because that was a hooker and he was like, what? No, there aren't hookers in casinos. And I'm like, that's what they do, dude. They just hang out in the casinos and they're like, you know, cocktail dresses and ball gowns and just sit down next to people and start chatting with them and just head up to their rooms, you know? And uh, I was like, I, I think the casinos kind of tolerate it, but uh, I know they're not the biggest fans of it, but... He's like, oh, man, I missed my chance with a hooker. <laughs> well, yeah, Vegas is just one of those uh, special places that a uh, lot of really good memories, you know. Of course, a lot of horrible memories, too. I remember one trip I took where it was me and my brother and my dad and woke up in the middle of the night and he was sitting at the end of the bed sobbing I didn't know what was going on I woke up and I was like dad what's going on and he was just like I don't know if I can go home Marky because I lost it all I lost everything he's like I lost close to thirty thousand dollars it's just such a pivotal point like a memory I mean it's just ridiculous he lost $30,000 gambling in Las Vegas 30000 what a waste 
It's just ridiculous. I look back on that time and I I try to put the uh the bad gambling aside and the losses and the pain and everything from the gambling addiction and just, you know, remember the good times, man. You know, the time me and my brother played in a poker tournament and both made it to the final table. That was a blast. Or a time my brother was there by himself and uh, he was heading back to his hotel and some lady asked him if he had two thin dimes and a nickel and he gave her a dollar and she chased him all the way back to his hotel room saying, I found my new husband. <laughs> yeah, man. Just, uh, just crazy times, but it's, you know, good times and just one of those special places that'll always be, you know, one of those special cities in, uh, in my heart for sure. But, uh, yeah, so hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, you can always get my stuff off largedrunkman.com, which will link you to Podbean, where the podcast is, and you can get uh, my schedule, any merchandise off of there. All my comedy albums are up on iTunes. All the funny songs are on SoundCloud. And, uh, yeah, uh, Thanks again for tuning into this podcast. I enjoy doing them, and uh, I hope you enjoy listening to them. And uh, tune in next time when we talk about who knows. <laughs>